it's not comfortable when you find yourself confronted by Christ. In the gospel reading we just heard, Peter experiences an awkward conversation with his risen Lord. Unwilling to face the past and uncertain about the future, Peter had retreated, going back to his old way of life. You already heard the story, how they couldn't catch fish, and how Jesus told them where to catch them, and they caught them, and they cooked a breakfast. What you didn't hear in that story is that when the disciples on the boat recognized it was Jesus, Peter, as impulsive as always, jumps overboard, leaving the others to maneuver the boat and to catch ashore. He is so eager to see Jesus. And likewise, when Jesus asked for more excuse me, fish, Peter, like a child trying to impress his teacher, ran to the boat and single-handedly pulled the net up on the shore. But when Jesus asked Peter to take a walk with him, that glad and eager child was replaced by a child overwhelmed by shame. They walk in silence. Then Jesus turns to Peter and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter cringes, remembering. Remembering that Jesus had chosen him to be a disciple and had named him the rock. Remembering how he had boldly proclaimed his loyalty only to feel his brave words crumble into dust as his courage failed him. Remembering that he had denied that he even knew Jesus and in the process had denied his own identity. Aren't you one of the disciples? I am not. It's not comfortable when you find yourself confronted by Christ. And then there is Saul, or as we know him, Paul. Saul first appears in Acts as he is witnessing to and approving the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian to be martyred for his faith. A man on fire, Saul sees himself as God's champion, defending his faith by purging it of those Jews who followed the way, who claimed that Jesus was the Messiah raised from the dead by God. Having arrested a number of men and women in Jerusalem, Saul obtains permission from the authorities to expand his mission to Damascus. And he is on the road when something totally unexpected happens. A light from heaven suddenly flashes around him and he hears a voice ask a question that is very different from the one asked of Peter. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Terrified, Saul stammers, who are you, Lord? And is astonished to hear the reply, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Blinded and in shock, Saul has no choice but to allow himself to be led by the hand into Damascus. There he is taken to a house where he sits for three days, fasting and praying, not knowing what is to become of him and no longer certain of what he believes. It's not comfortable when you find yourself confronted by Christ. And then there is Ananias. Ananias is a Christian who lives in Damascus and receives a vision in which he's called to take on a special task. The Lord said to him, go, get up and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At the moment he is praying and he has seen in a vision that a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. 
Ananias is appalled. And as Donald David notes, in case God has overlooked Saul's atrocities, he takes occasion to issue a brief reminder. Lord, I have heard of this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord is not taking the hint. Go, he tells Ananias, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. It's not comfortable when you find yourself confronted by Christ. Confused fisherman trying to escape his guilt. A man of faith responding to a perceived threat with anger and violence. A fearful disciple questioning his call. Though few, if any of us, will experience the risen Christ so directly, I think that all of us have at one time or another reacted to the uncertainties of life and difficult situations as these men did. Sometimes we choose Peter's way. When we don't want to face hard truths, when we need to deal with guilt and uncertainty, we opt out. We bury ourselves in work, busy ourselves with things to be done, pull the covers over our head, and close our eyes and ears to the pain and guilt that plagues us and the fears that haunt our sleep. Surely, if we just ignore the situation, it will go away. Trouble is that it doesn't go away. Relationships remain broken. Guilt and fear stay with us. But perha even perhaps worse than the, is the fact that when we opt out, we are, deny ourselves the opportunity to make amends, to grow, and to find ourselves anew. Sometimes soul's way seems best. When we feel frustrated and threatened, we want to do something about it. Someone, after all, is surely to blame for this mess. And so in righteous indignation, fueled by fear, we strike out, attacking others with arguments that do not tolerate questions, with finger-pointing ridicule, with infuriating rants that turn the air blue, or with disdainful silence that reeks of contempt. And when we experience pushback, we sometimes react with a self-justified violence of our own that is carried out with Saul-like zeal. Unfortunately, such aggressive behavior usually backfires. Hurt feelings lead to hatred, contempt. Contempt promotes condemnation. Retaliation begats revenge, and we become part of the problem rather than the solution, losing ourselves in the process. Thank goodness the stories of Peter and Saul show us another way to respond to uncertainty, guilt, and fear. It is a way that Saul and Peter will come to know well, the way of Christ. The way of Christ is one of forgiveness. Peter had every right to expect Jesus to condemn or rebuke him, for at that last meal that he shared with Jesus before his death, Peter had sworn that he would die for Jesus, words that had proved to be painfully false. Yet to his surprise, when Peter arrives at the beach, Jesus invites him to join him at another meal and reaches out to him afterwards. The 
The conversation that follows is indeed difficult for Peter, but Jesus is offering him forgiveness and so much more. Jesus is giving Peter a new identity and calling him to be whom Jesus needs him to be. When Peter assures Jesus that he loves him, Jesus responds, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. No longer will Peter be the fisherman disciple. Now he will take on the role of the good shepherd, tending not only his fellow disciples, but also the flock of the church. For the way of Christ is also one of caring service. That same way is also characterized by abundance and sharing. The disciples recognize Jesus in the huge catch of fish, the astounding abundance of which is emphasized more than once in this story. Likewise, Jesus hosting a meal of bread and fish for the disciples evokes an earlier miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 with similar food. The way of Christ is life lived out of God's abundant grace, which in turn is shared with others. It is also the way of compassion. Remember Ananias? He was really aware, terrified of the threat that Saul posed to the Christian community, but nevertheless he obeyed God and went to Saul. That in itself is pretty amazing, but what is even more incredible is the way that Ananias addresses his enemy. He lays hands on Saul and says, Brother Saul, brother Saul. Somehow in that moment, Ananias is able to see Saul not as a villain, but as a fellow human being, not as someone who posed a threat, but as someone who needed him, not as an intruder, but as someone with whom he might develop an intimate relationship. Surely Ananias' compassionate acceptance loosened the scales of Paul's heart as well as those on his eyes, helping him in turn to offer acceptance and compassion to others. The way of Christ is also one of suffering. Jesus tells Ananias, I myself will show Saul what he must suffer for the sake of my name, and indeed Saul does suffer but does so gladly, joyfully. Likewise, Jesus tells Peter, when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you to where you do not wish to go, a reference to Peter's eventual crucifixion, which again, he welcomes with joy. But Christ does not demand suffering for suffering's sake. On the contrary, Paul and Peter would suffer so that others might come to know the love of Christ and to find their lives transformed. For ultimately, the way of Christ is the way of transformation, a transformation made possible by the relationship that the living Christ offers to all who seek him. That relationship changed an uneducated fisherman into a courageous and eloquent apostle and converted the zeal of a narrow-minded Pharisee into a passion for Christ that led to the full inclusion of the Gentiles in the church. Together with others whose lives had been transformed, Peter and Paul changed the world. 
and made it possible for each of us to know and live into the way of Christ. And indeed, now it is our turn. Our turn to follow Jesus, our turn to walk in that way, to offer forgiveness and share abundance, to serve others with care and compassion, and sometimes to suffer for the sake of our faith. To do so is not easy. And there will be times when we reject this gift, when we opt out, when we strike out, and when we just absolutely refuse to follow Christ's lead. But you know what? <laughs> it's okay. We have these stories of transformation that offer us inspiration and courage and the promise of forgiveness if we come back again. Thanks be to God for that. And thanks be to God that as Saul had Ananias to help him and guide him, so we receive strength and support and love from one another. Thanks be to God for that. But most of all, thanks be to God for the living Christ who seeks us out, confronts us in love, offers us abundant grace, and calls us into a new life of hope and joy. Thanks be to God indeed. Alleluia, alleluia, amen.